Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old internet, man, you just go on there and point and click it and then talk about www.com. For some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. Well, for my money, he's got all the facial characteristics of a criminal. Now, here's your host, that gravy-soppin', crappie-floppin', stump-jumpin', bobble-thumpin', gun-totin', mater-growin' son-of-a-gun, the backwoods Baptist himself, Pastor Harold Smith. Oh, yes, come on in. Come inside. We'll not sit on the porch today. Come on in. Sit down inside. Get you something cold to drink because, brother, it is hot. Real hot. We've been in the triple digits for a while. Uh, I want to say it was like 109 on Wednesday, 107 yesterday, and it's over 100 and climbing today. And those are the actual temperatures. And we're in Arkansas, and so with the humidity, it's the heat index, the real feel, as they call it, is much higher than that. And, uh, yeah, it's the miserable time of year. It's the time of year when you don't want to have to do anything outside. You want everything to be inside. And I got most of my outside stuff that had to be done today done early. And so I'm able to spend the rest of the day inside. This morning I went out and uh, took down a cattle panel in the garden and where I had some cucumbers growing, I tilled all that up. I pulled some pepper plants and some tomato plants that were pretty much spent and um, tilled, I tilled all that ground up this morning. Then I went and got on my little Kubota tractor. It was kind of getting hot on me the last few times or the last time I brush hogged with it. So I knew that my, my radiator was getting a little clogged up. So I went and washed the screens and sprayed the radiator out. And then I did a little brush hogging up and down the, the road um, uh, and the driveway, just, just some, some minor stuff, but it felt like I had worked all day just because of the the heat that I was working in today. And anyways, it's just that time of year. I mean, it's, this is, this is what you expect for August in Arkansas. It's just not, it's just not comfortable. It is not fun. It's this time of year that makes me wish I lived somewhere up North. And, um, and anyways, so what I want to talk about today on the podcast is I want to talk about Christian fellowship, Christian fellowship. And when we think about Christian fellowship, a lot of times what we think of is kind of like a potluck meal at the church. And that is technically Christian fellowship where we would eat a meal together or, you know, have some kind of a, a time together. And, and the church that I'm the pastor at in uh, the First Baptist Church of Roland, we have a fellowship every morning. Uh, before Sunday morning service, I cook a, a light breakfast, you know, breakfast burritos, biscuits and gravy. I just do something and some coffee and some orange juice. And it's not so much because people show up to church hungry and they don't have time to eat. It gives us an opportunity to sit around and visit and talk and, and see how each other's doing, see how their day is, or their week is gone. And it, it lets us get to know one another. And so while there is, I guess, some formal ways in which we can have fellowship together, and the early church did that. You know, they broke bread house to house. <clears throat> they met in homes. Paul talks in 1 Corinthians about their their feast of love or, the, or this 
this meal that they share with each other because they love each other. And so while there's clearly ought to be some, some formal type fellowships within the church, what I want to talk about really goes kind of beyond that. And it is the fellowship that is found among Christians, regardless of how long they've known each other. Have you ever been in a church that was real clickish or cold? Maybe you went there for a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a few years, and it, you just never felt like you fit in. You, um, you, you, you attended, they might've been nice. They might've said, hi, how you doing? They might've shaken your hand, but you never felt like you were received into the group. It shouldn't be that way. And a lot of times if you're attending a church and they just refuse to, 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 to have real fellowship with you, you're probably surrounded by fake Christians. I, I hate to say that, but I've just been in a lot of churches and oftentimes that's the case. If Christians go to church for a while and other professed Christians don't have anything to do with them, somebody's not a real Christian. Somebody is claiming to be something they're not. Jesus told his disciples, by this will all men know that I have loved you if you have love one for another. And so real love is not something we just say. It's something that's expressed in our actions toward other people. So uh, how do we express that love? Well, we've got all the one another passages. Uh, there's over 70 in the New Testament where the phrase one another is attached, you know, love one another, be united with one another. Two thirds of those one another passages deal with love and unity. And then we talk about greeting one another with a holy kiss. Um, I would say that's cultural. We can greet one another with a handshake. Uh, if I run into you somewhere, please don't give me a holy kiss but do shake my hand. And we're told to bear one another's burdens. We're told to encourage and exhort one another. And these one another passages are really the way in which we express or demonstrate our love toward other Christians. As a matter of fact, one of the criterias, one of the, the um, requirements to be a pastor is that you're given to hospitality. And the word hospitality literally means the entertainment of strangers. Have you ever heard someone say, well, they never met a stranger. They're willing to talk and communicate with people that they're not, um, maybe they, they're not an introvert. I, a lot of people tell me, well, I'm just an introvert. Well, if you're a Christian, you, you don't have to be an extrovert, but you do have to take an interest in other people. We're called sheep for a reason. We are meant to be together. And we're pilgrims passing through a world that doesn't want anything to do with us. So if the world doesn't want anything to do with us and the Bible calls us a peculiar people, oddballs, not like the rest of the world. And it's not because our hair is green and, uh, uh, or as Hank Jr. said, our hair is not orange and we don't wear chains and spikes. It, it, we're not oddballs because we dress a certain way. We're peculiar because we have the love of Christ in us, we're guided by the, the dictates of Scripture, and we're seeking to please a God, and we're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Our, this world is not our home. That makes us peculiar. And since we're peculiar, and since we're, we're not like anyone else on the earth, Christians really shouldn't have any trouble fellowshipping 
with other Christians because other Christians are just like you. I often think about Adam when God caused all the animals to come by and Adam gave each animal its name. Uh, I, this is why I think Adam was one of the smartest men in the world. I can't remember the names of animals that I should know. Adam came up with new names from animals he had never seen before, and he had no problem naming them all as they passed by. But when Adam looked at these animals passing by, he noticed that none of them suited him. None of them was fit for him. None of them would make us a, a mate or a spouse for him. Well, this tells me that Adam didn't think we came from monkeys or apes or anything else like that. Adam knew those were separate animals. And when Adam was sad after he named all the animals because he was the only one like him, Christian, in a world full of people that despise you, despise your God, hate you because they hate your God, in a world full of people like that, explain to me how you can't fit in with people that you plan to spend an eternity with. And the fact of the matter is, Christians, true Christians, don't have any trouble befriending and fellowshipping with other true Christians. If you claim to be a Christian and you don't want to be around Christians, then you're either living in in blatant disobedience to basically 70 commands of scripture in the New Testament and a bunch of other uh, clear evidences of salvation, or, you know, maybe you got a doctor's note that you're just wired different. And when someone says, well, I'm just not built that way, I say, you know what? I wasn't built that way either, but I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I was built for sin. I love sin. I hated God. I was looking for God like robbers look for cops. I was happy serving myself, old number one. I was the most important thing in my world. But when Christ saved me, here's what happened. He made me a new creature and he gave me a love for him, a love for his word and a love for his people. And the evidence that he gave me his love is that I love his word and I love his people. And his word tells me to love his people. And his people tell me that, that we should love the word together. This web of love brings Christian fellowship to the forefront. And too many times we judge what we're doing or not doing on the basis of what other Christians are doing. And if we talk about everybody that goes to church, or e even worse, everybody that says they're a Christian, you know, they believe in God, they're, they're spiritual, you're going to realize that there's a lot of people out there professing faith in Christ that don't love other Christians. And therefore, you're going to say, well, it's okay for me to not love other Christians. But your standard for fellowship is not what other people are doing. It's what God has said to do. And this is what he's instructed us to do. So I've made the case here that, that fellowship with other believers is a must. It's not an option. It's a must. And it doesn't necessarily have to be structured fellowship. If the church is having a potluck, shame on you if you're not there. I mean, for crying out loud, one of the most Christian things you can do is eat with other Christians. That's what the early church did. That's what Christ did with his disciples. Those are the some of the, the greatest, most prominent miracles Christ ever fulfilled was the feeding of a multitude of people. If the church is going to get together and eat a meal and you don't want to be there, what's wrong with you? 
seriously, what's wrong with you? I, I know during COVID, people got all scared of germs and everything. I'm like, the disciples were eaten with unwashed hands, but they were following a guy that heals of all diseases. So they're not worried about it. Quit being a germaphobe. Well, I don't eat food cooked in someone else's kitchen. The kind of theology we have as Christians says that we could be tossed into a fiery furnace, but if we're doing the will of God, he will stand in there with us and we'll come out and won't even have the smell of smoke on us. The kind of God that we serve says we could be lowered into a den of lions and the lions wouldn't touch us and we could be raised up and they'd eat the next guy that went in. The kind of God we serve says we could be bitten by a venomous snake, and I'm not advocating snake handling. We can be bitten by a venomous snake and it not have any effect on us. So if the Bible commands us to spend time together, to eat together, to fellowship together, and you don't want to because you're afraid of germs, you have a greater fear of germs than you do of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. But let's go beyond that. Let's go beyond the structured fellowship of the church. Let's go beyond the, 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 the meeting together that we have. Let's talk about Christian fellowship where it's not planned, where it's not orchestrated. Let's talk about the love that Christians have for one another and the way they conduct themselves in the world as a way of, I guess, recognizing or realizing that you're in the presence of other Christians. I have, uh, in recent years, been blessed with the ability to travel around and work with a lot of churches outside of my own area. In other words, I've preached some meetings in other churches. I've gone to other churches and and helped them work through some situations, giving them advice about different things that are in. I've traveled around and and met with pastors in other states and and helped them, you know, kind of diagnose some problems in their church. And one of the things I've discovered in traveling around is that I make the best friends with those who are Christians and believers in Jesus Christ. They are naturally friendly. They, they have a natural love for the brethren. They have a natural uh, inclination to be hospitable to other Christians especially those from out of town. Now, if you've been following the podcast for a while, uh, our last broadcast, I probably mentioned that I was going to Virginia to preach the 200th anniversary of, of Chestnut Grove Baptist Church, and then I stayed and preached a revival. Uh, during that time there, yeah, we, we ate at church on Sunday, and it was great. And anytime you get 100 people in a room and everybody brings a covered dish and they have fried chicken, it, it is heavenly. And we had a lot of fellowship and I talked to a lot of people on Sunday morning, but, but we were crowded into a fellowship hall and, you know, there's a lot of just kind of, hi, how you doing? But the real Christian fellowship took place the next day when two Christians get in a truck together and just drive down a country road. And they talk about cattle and they talk about farming and they talk about engines and they talk about uh, deer hunting, and they talk about fishing, and they talk about just everyday life, and two Christians riding in a car together, talking about the things of life, genuinely interested in what the other believer has going on, their background, this kind of mutual fellowship, it's almost as if two people had been friends for years and got together, when in reality, they had only recently met. 
but the common bond they have is deeper than a high school friend. It's deeper uh, than someone you grew up with because the common bond between believers is the eternality of Jesus Christ. You see, we are planning to spend heaven together. We've got a lot in common. Therefore, when we get together, it's just like talking to old friends. And we're not getting together because we have the same interest. We're getting together because we have the same Savior. And because we have the same Savior and because we've both experienced the same grace and responded in faith and repentance, and we've became new creatures in Christ Jesus, we just have this natural bond of love. We have this, this natural fellowship that just flows out of that. And I've found a lot of times that I've had fake friends over the years, a lot of fake friends, probably more fake friends than I've had real friends. And if, if you're honest, you'll say the same. You know, somebody just wanted to be your friend so you'd show them a good fishing spot or you'd take them duck hunting or you'd take them deer hunting or they just wanted to be your friend so they could get some, some vegetables out of your garden or, you know, they wanted something from you. And when what they wanted from you went away, they no longer wanted to be your friend. That's common. That's common. But in Christianity, yeah, you have fake Christians, but you can usually spot them pretty quick. But real Christians have a, a real fellowship and a real love for one another that can't be manufactured. It's not fake. And it occurs instantly without our, our really having to even think about it. I look back over the last few weeks, I've done a lot of traveling. For one thing, I hosted a conference in which we had 55 preachers from about seven or eight states all come to the church I'm a member of, Lee Creek, and uh, these pastors all came in. We ate together. We sang together. We listened to preaching together. We, we sat around and visited together. The friendships there, just natural, just flow natural. People that I've never met before, some I've only talked to on the phone, they come in. It's like we've known each other for years. That kind of friendship, that kind of fellowship, you won't get that in the Mason's Lodge. You're not going to get that in the Shriners. You're not going to get that in the Moose Lodge or the Elks Lodge. These don't happen in lodges. You don't even get this by being a veteran. You only get this in Christ Jesus. You don't get this by serving in the military together. I served in the military. I've got friends in the military. But the closeness that I have with those in the church far exceeds that. The closeness I have with people in the church even exceeds some of the relationships I have in my own family. And I love my family. I'm talking about, you know, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, and cousins. I love them all. But this relationship that is instantly found in true believers is really unexplainable. And you won't understand it unless you're a Christian that's been outside your own county a time or two and been around other Christians. So as I traveled around, I had this conference. Then I went to Virginia. Well, on my way to Virginia, we spent a few days in North Carolina at the beach. We took a few days to kind of recover from our conference before we started into another. And while we were there, you know, we just try to be Christian. We try to act like Christians, believe it or not. We try to act like what we profess to be. And so uh, a waitress says to me and my wife, she says, you know, your order was all messed up. <laughs> you guys had to wait. You got your table got overlooked. I mean, you have every right to be upset, but y'all are just kind and nice and real patient with us. And I said, well, we're Christians. And she just looked at me funny like, what? 
And I said, well, we're, we're Christians, and this is the way Christians should act. God's been patient with us. Why wouldn't we be patient with you? Well, that's, that's, huh. You know, and, and that's kind of the way it, it caught her off guard because I would bet you a dollar to a donut hole. Her Sunday afternoon crowd was not as patient with her as real Christians are. The people that came in, you know, on fancy clothes with their hair all done up that just got out of church. They may not have acted like real Christians. They may not even be real Christians. I don't know. I'm not the judge of who is and who isn't. But as we went along, we we were staying in a in an Airbnb, and the and the people upstairs from us were like, um, "Man, y'all are so nice. Y'all y'all are easy to get along with." And I was like, "We're Christians. We try to live like Christians. You know, we we're not jerks. We we don't demand. It's not." We're not J.G. Wentworth. It's my money, and I want it now. We're not demanding our rights. We're Christians. We're, we're willing to, to go along with some things that maybe, you know, it just happens. We don't get upset about it. Now, when someone lives like that, and they try, now, what Christians aren't perfect. We lose our temper. We say things we don't mean. I'm not trying to say that we're perfect. I'm just trying to say in a world full of people that demand they get what they want now, Christians are oddballs. And if Christians live like Christians and love other people the way Christians are called to, they stand out like a sore thumb. Peter says this. He says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they speak evil of you, they, by observing your good works, will glorify God in the day of his visitation. In other words, the world says Christians are the problem. Christians are the problem. Christians are the problem. But when the world encounters a real Christian and they're gracious and they're patient and they're loving and they're kind and they're generous, they say, well, that's nothing like I expected a Christian to be. Now, what happens when you get patient, loving, kind, generous people all in the same room together? You have real Christian fellowship. So when you get to where you're going and you run into new Christians, people you've never met before, and you introduce yourself and they say, hey, you want to go eat lunch tomorrow? And the next thing you know, it's like your best friends. And friend, that doesn't just happen here. So I leave Virginia and I go to central Oklahoma. And so in central Oklahoma, I'm meeting people I've never met before. I shake hands with them. I sit down. I start talking. Next thing you know, it's like we're best friends. What's the common bond? Am I just a, a friendly guy that makes friends? Maybe, but that's not the real issue. The real issue is Christian fellowship. Christians should naturally be hospitable, entertainers of strangers. <clears throat> and I know what it's like to entertain and be kind to people who are not kind back. And you just want to get out of that situation. If someone's, you know, belligerent or loud or obnoxious, you want to just, you know, be kind and, and, and work your way out of that situation. But if you're around someone else that has the same values, has the same spirit dwelling in them, guiding them, they're shaping their life according to scripture as you shape your life according to scripture. Here's what happens. You instantly find yourself fast friends and not fake friends, real friends. I found this to be true. I have Christian friends all across the country. Many of them I've just met over the internet. Uh, we've never met in person. But when we do meet in person, it's like we're best friends. I was talking to a pastor just the other day from, from South Georgia. And we've never met in person, but I'm going to go out there and, and, uh, and be with him in, in October. 
And I can tell you right now, we're going to have the best time together. We don't know. Brother, how can you say that? He's a Christian and I'm a Christian. That's all that's necessary. If we're both Christians, we'll overlook the other one's problems. We'll overlook the other one's faults. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, if I do something wrong, he's going to forgive me. If he does something wrong, I'm going to forgive him. Why? God's forgiven me. This kind of relationship, you don't see this in the world. The world is not forgiving. But Christians, real Christians, by nature, should be able to make real friends with other Christians. And if you say, well, that's just not the way I'm wired, God should have rewired you when he saved you because he said, this is how the world will know that I love you, that you love other Christians. And you can't just say, I love you and not spend time with them. You can't just say, I love you and not take an interest in what they're doing. But if God has saved you, here's what will happen. No matter where you go, You'll run into other Christians and the two of you will hit it off and you'll be best friends and you'll love each other and you'll stay friends. Even after you're gone, uh, they'll be texting you. How's it going? Miss you guys. Next time you come through, stop in here and see us again. That's the way Christian fellowship looks like. If you look in the New Testament, that's exactly the way it looked like. Everywhere Paul and his evangelistic team went planting churches, they went back through there and those people met with them again and were happy to see them. They wanted to hear instruction from Paul and they wanted to be encouraged. But the other thing is they loved each other. They had a genuine, real fellowship. It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't fake. It wasn't, well, we've got to go to church and we've, we've got to sit with the saints. Well, I've, I've got to go do something nice for them. They're believers too. It's not that way. Friend, let me let me leave you with this. If you're struggling to be friendly with other Christians, ask yourself, did God make me a new creature? Because if he did, he, he put in me a love for the word, a love for him, and a love for others. And if you're struggling with demonstrating a love for others, it could be that you need to repent. It could be that you're just self-centered. Yeah, well, you know, it's not that important. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I just don't want to be around other people. If you, if that's you, you need to repent. You need to ask God, say, Lord, change me. This is what the Bible says I should do. And, and I, by nature, don't want to do it but you've commanded me to now give me the strength and not just to fake it and, and, and grin until you feel it, but to actually have a develop a love for other Christians. You should have that. God wants you to have that. And if you ask God for that, he will grant it. If God says, I want you to have this. And he says, you have not because you ask not. And he wants you to have it and you ask for it. You're getting it. So just ask for it. Say, Lord, make me that kind of a Christian because the world needs to see Christians that have fellowship and love for other Christians that's real, that exceeds just the little click in their church or the, the, the people in their Sunday school class that they're buddies with or the ones they, they, they're on the same ball team and go to the lake together. No, 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 no. It's not my Sunday school class that I have fellowship with. No, it's not just the church I pastor. It's if you believe in Jesus Christ and you are battling with sin, just like I'm battling with sin and you're living a life of repentance and I'm living a life of repentance, we're friends, whether you like it or not. We're on the same path. 
There's a broad way that leads to destruction. There's a narrow way that leads to life and few there be that find it. And if I find somebody on that narrow way, I'm buddies with them because there ain't a whole lot of us on this narrow path doing this. Therefore, Christian fellowship, love for the brethren, that, that extends our church. That goes beyond a potluck dinner together. That's a general desire to see the betterment and the, the welfare of other believers, regardless of whether you encounter, where, where you encounter them at. I've experienced a lot of Christian love in the last couple of weeks. I've experienced it from pastors that have came in. I've experienced it from churches that I've preached in, homes that I've stayed in, people that have brought me into their house and fed me uh, supper at night and taken me out to lunch and bought my breakfast. And I've experienced all of this interaction with other believers, and it encourages me. It encourages me to love others the way they've loved me. And hopefully I've encouraged them to love others the way that I love them. And this mutual edification, this mutual back and forth demonstration of love is the way the saints build up one another in the faith. Friend, you can't have this kind of fellowship and stay isolated. If you're still staying home because of COVID, repent and get back in church. If you're trying to do church online, if, if, if you're trying to uh, listen to somebody on the radio or watch, watch a, a sermon on TV, the only excuses you have for not being in a local church is if your health won't allow you to leave the home, you're in a nursing home, you're bed fast, or you're deployed in the military and you can't come home because you're, you're way over here on the other side of the world fighting for freedom. If that's you, you're excused. But if you're sitting at home and you're able to go to the grocery store, you're able to go to church. If you're able to go put gas in your car, you're able to go to church. If you're able to get out of your home and you're not in regular fellowship with other believers in a local church and outside the church, you're just simply being disobedient. I beg you to repent. And not just because you're wrong with God, but because if you experience the love of God in Christ Jesus and that love that shed abroad in the hearts of the saints, it will be for your betterment. You will be better off having been in the close fellowship of other believers. So I'm asking you to do this, not just if, if you're not doing this, I'm asking you to do this because God requires it and because you'll be better for having done it. Now, if you are doing it, keep doing it. Keep loving. Keep keep opening your doors to strangers. Oh, don't be stupid. Don't pick up hitchhikers that look like they'd slit your throat. But keep in, opening your doors to believers. Keep opening yourself. You say, Brother Harold, every time I open myself up, I, it seems like I get hurt. And all I, know, all I find are fake Christians. Well, I found my fair share. But I got a command to keep trying. And the more I try to find believers, the more real believers I find, the more joy I have, the better opportunities I have to serve them, and the more I experience the joy of them serving me as well. So get out there, Christian. Experience some real love from the believers. Be a real Christian. Practice what you preach. Show others the love that God is, has shed abroad in your heart by shedding it abroad on them as well. Anyway, hope this helps you. Hope this encourages you. If you've got questions, comments, complaints, smart remarks, 
any of that, you can send them to me at Pastor Harold at att.net. That's P-A-S-T-O-R-H-A-R-O-L-D at att.net. I'll be glad to uh, respond to any emails you send me. If you have any questions, eh, maybe you got an idea you'd like to see us cover. Maybe you got something you'd want to hear discussed on the podcast. By all means, send it to me. I'll be glad to look it over and consider it. Till then, we'll see you on the next Backwoods Baptist podcast.